Hello and welcome to Following the Rules. This is a podcast about the rules shaping UK and EU financial services and the people responsible for understanding and implementing them. Because in one of the world's most regulated sectors, following the rules isn't always easy. I'm your host, financial journalist Lucy McNulty, and every episode I'll be asking the most influential personalities in financial regulation for their input on the sector's most pressing issues. Oxbow Partners is happy to support this episode of Following the Rules. Oxbow Partners is a management consultancy specialising in the insurance industry. In 2022, we were again named one of the top 10 consultancies in the sector by the Financial Times. We help our clients, who include insurers, reinsurers, regulators and investors, with everything from growth strategy to operations, technology and M&A, not to mention the impact of the increasingly complex regulatory environment on their businesses, such as the current FCA General Insurance Pricing Fairness Rules, about which you'll find lots of commentary on our website, oxpopartners.com. If you're keen to understand the challenges and opportunities coming down the track for your business, please drop us a line. In the meantime, enjoy this podcast. I think it does have a PR problem. There is a sense for a, certainly a significant number of the bright aspiring grads that there are other places seen as more desirable than going to compliance. Today's guest warns that the compliance sector must work harder to address its PR problems or it risks a major skills shortage in its junior ranks. He reveals why the majority of regulatory technology solutions cannot live up to their promise. He unpicks the compliance challenge created by the increasing regulatory focus on environmental, social and governance matters. And he outlines the skills he looks for when hiring compliance professionals in a rapidly changing sector. Richard Brearley has spent almost 30 years helping to shape or navigate financial regulation. His career includes four years as a regulator in the Markets Division of the Financial Conduct Authority's predecessor, the Financial Services Authority, and 16 years in senior compliance roles at large funds and banks. Since 2021, he has led the Compliance Division at Global Investment Manager 91. Hi Richard, welcome to Following the Rules. Hello, lovely to see you Lucy. In your near 30-year career, Richard, you must have developed some strong views as to how the compliance function could or should change, which I'm looking forward to hearing. But before we go there, I'm interested to know more about your current role as head of compliance at 91. What challenges are you navigating? Look, like many in, in the asset management industry now, I think our significant challenge at the moment really falls under the ESG heading. We're seeing significant amount of regulation globally. The industry is still working out exactly what it means and how we're going to measure, particularly sustainability. UK rules are in progress. It would be great if we could have global standards, but we're seeing a patchwork approach where different jurisdictions approach this in a different way, which means even between the UK and Europe, we're going to have to build different reporting models and have a different outlook to how we deal with it, which is the challenge, but look, the reality is that exists across most aspects of the financial services regulation, particularly around sustainability and environment, also in terms of social issues. There's an industry we're grappling with it, regulators are grappling with it, particularly how funds and strategies get labelled and then how you measure whether you're delivering on that. And we've actually even started to see certain regulators bringing effectively mis-selling type enforcement action or fines, particularly with the US focus, the firms not having done what they said on the tin. So if there's one primary thing in our industry, it's definitely ESG and I would expect it to be for some time as well. 
So the regulatory focus on greenwashing, the threat of being accused of greenwashing, that seems to be focusing your attentions on this yeah. area particularly. To me, it's almost easier in a way to use a more old-fashioned word, which is mis-selling, because that's what it is. It sounds simple, but really, in the documentation creating products or funds, you want to say clearly what you're going to do. You then get set out and do it, and then you report to your clients and other stakeholders that you have done it. Now, I know that sounds really easy, but in an environmental and sustainability world, the ground rules are only just being worked out in that sense at the moment. What professional skills do you particularly seek when tackling the ESG issue? There's an interesting discussion as to what longer term the role of compliance will be in the whole ESG space. In terms of will compliance be the area of providing expert advice? There'll certainly be some monitoring that's going to be required to be done by compliance to ensure that the reporting and the processes are robust. But in the shorter term, there's going to be a heavy lift generally across the industry on implementation, which is going to need heavy compliance involvement just in terms of, in a sense, classic, taking the regulatory change from the regulator's rules, working through the process with project management and other teams across the business to deliver a compliance solution at the end. Quite if when ESG becomes much more of a business as usual and and everybody is running it on that basis, as I said, I'm not sure quite what the structure is going to look like on the skill set, but I think the reality is we're many years from being in that place at the moment. Okay, that's interesting. I'm also interested to hear what roles and professional skills you're seeking generally within your compliance team as well. Well, as you and listeners to this podcast will know, we undertake so many different functions within compliance. You don't end up with a generic background or CV. If we broadly were to divide the world around, let's say, into advisory compliance, let's say for want of a better word, training type compliance, and then monitoring, I would say on the advisory side, you're looking for a mixture of people who've developed the right technical skills for the area you're providing advice in, whatever that may be, whether it be on the trading floor or in an ESG type context. And particularly, I think in those sorts of roles, I like a personality which is adept at managing relationships. When you're working with and facing off to business areas, relationship management, right levels of both rigor, strength, but also empathy are all really important. When you look more at the roles around training and development, again, a strong technical understanding of what's happening, but I think more in those kind of roles, you're looking for people with a flair for both looking at interesting and innovative ways of delivering the content and making sure that the messages we need to get across, get across. Because one of the first questions firms are always asked by regulators when something goes wrong, let's say particularly in areas of financial crime and market conduct is, well, when did the relevant individuals last have their training and did they do it? And if there was a test linked to it, did they pass it? So that's what I say about that area. Then when we're monitoring and surveillance, I would say the skill set is more of a mixture. In some areas of monitoring and surveillance, more and more, we as an industry are looking to work out how we can be more innovative and effective in analyzing data. And then if you're going off and either testing the controls are effective or writing a review of a business area, there's a real element of rigor and analysis required, again, allied to some element of relationship building, because you want to go into an environment where people both 
both from a monitoring perspective, will acknowledge that you have the right skill level to be doing the work, but also there has to be an element of trust and mutual respect between those two areas. Mm -hmm. So in short, uh, there's a wide range of skills. It really is a broad church across the whole compliance piece when you're looking to fit an effective team together, I think. Okay. The pandemic put a lot of pressure on the compliance function to innovate more than it perhaps had done up until that point, because compliance found themselves suddenly having to rely almost entirely on digital tools that may or may not have existed in their organisation before to monitor the behaviour of staff. How do you expect the industry to change as a result of the pandemic, if at all? And what aspects of the compliance function would you expect to see automated in the coming years? The first thing the pandemic showed us was the capability to work and some of the challenges that come with working remotely. As to your question about what will change in the longer run, during the pandemic, the technology advanced significantly, but the acceptance of technology around remote working, I think, moved forward many years quickly, just in terms of this can be done, it had to be done, and by and large, everybody made it work pretty well. So I'm not sure we'll ever go back quite to a day when people are in the office five days a week, X number of hours a day. That said, I am feeling more and more that there's a desire and a drive for the office to be the main centre of gravity. And there's a real advantage to that because just working remotely, there's advantages to not being in the office and being able just to focus on certain things. But the magic and the ability to bounce ideas off each other and just support each other isn't there when you work remotely. And you mentioned that you believe it's unlikely that we'll return to the office five days a week. Are there any particular challenges posed by that shift to a hybrid working model in the workplace surveillance context? Well, I think the main challenge actually is probably that you can become obsessed with systems and data. And it is important to the ability to develop monitor and surveillance over the data, the communications channels, that came on significantly during the pandemic. And we find ourselves in a position, certainly more and more with offerings around ability, whether it's trade surveillance, whatever it is, the number of options around automation and surveillance certainly are growing in the marketplace. And I would expect them to continue to. And the ability to look over the data is key, but from a compliance perspective, and I still think this is absolutely the right way to go, is nothing beats being on the floor with people, working with them, hearing what's going on on people's phone calls, talking to them, and just being there. And if you're there with people, you start to understand when things are different, when things aren't right. You can pick that up almost through the the air conditioning in the organisation. No amount of data will necessarily help on things like that where you're just not close to people physically and you don't really know what they're doing and you're just seeing let's say trades going through on a system or the amount of volume of calls or whatever it is doesn't give you that real touch and feel so that's the bit that's missing and I think less so in an asset management context but particularly I think in a kind of trading floor type context in investment banking the touch and feel and the relationship and the contact is really important as you say nothing beats being on the office floor but we have just come out of a two-year pandemic where obviously most people were working from home has that posed any challenges from your perspective in terms of training juniors who won't have had that experience of being on the office floor and or recruiting talent again who won't have had that experience well the challenge is the cultural aspect is the cultural 
parts that are really hard to bring alive when people are at home. How do we support each other, not just technically, but as a team? How do you work together? Because each organisation is different. How does the organisation feel on the inside? How does it feel to be a part of this team? You just miss all of that. It's a piece that goes around having a high-functioning team and working really well as an organisation. And if that's happening remotely, it's very hard to build with new staff members, like with connective tissue that binds you together and helps you function better as a team. Okay. We are in the midst of a regulatory clampdown on WhatsApp use in the industry with most activity currently in the US where we've seen large-scale fines of well-known investment banks, senior bankers being fired for inappropriate use of messaging apps and or poor policing of that within their team. To what extent is that uh, a concern for the compliance industry within the asset management sector? And do you have a view as to how the industry can best police finance workers' WhatsApp use? It comes down to a basic challenge at the end of the day around record keeping. been around as long as I have you remember I still always think on record keeping it's actually quite nice to go back and remember the rules came from when you had paper-based systems and would put hole punches in and put it in a file so for good reason you were required to keep the records and then for so many years and then you could destroy them and increasingly as times move it's just exploded in terms of the amounts of data we can hold but whether it's FCA SEC or others their rules on record keeping are pretty clear and that means that staff making phone calls or sending messages use for those communications recorded channels that makes it sound easy the challenge is if it's not whatsapp it'll be something else and do you record microsoft teams and then what happens if somebody phones you on a zoom the principle is easy the way of managing it just given the plethora of communication channels is harder so We've just got to keep reminding people as an industry, we provide lots and lots of technology, whether it be by way of mobile devices, by way of emails, by way of messaging that is recorded. And those are the channels you should use for the regulated communication. tend to suspect the people who have been caught out is the right word, didn't necessarily think they were doing anything wrong because I think WhatsApp became so ubiquitous, people just used it and weren't maybe necessarily aware. They certainly are now. But it's incredibly hard to find people who are actually using these communication channels for means that we wouldn't want them to around inappropriate sharing of information and things like that because you can monitor to see when people say let's switch to whatsapp or use whatsapp but if somebody's using a non-recorded device it can be very hard to know what's going on so we as an industry can always only really set the rules and remind people which channels are recorded and look after our patch mm-hmm. it's hard okay. though and i don't i don't see us having less and less ability channels to communicate on going mm-hmm. forward mm-hmm. What tech would you like to see developed that doesn't currently exist as far as you know? The challenge always on tech is often one ends up with bespoke solutions to deal with bespoke challenges. So you will look to have, let's say, an automated solution for sanctions checking and a solution for trade surveillance and a solution for search over emails, solutions around checking phone calls, solutions around looking at Bloomberg, solutions to look at, sorry, I'm going on a number, PA dealing. But the reality is a lot of people in the industry, unless you're a really relatively new entrant, our data, it's has across often different areas under different systems. And then over the top of that, we're laying other solutions that don't often talk to each other. And I guess the magic solution would be to A, be able to take 
technology solutions that don't require a significant amount of internal technology resource to implement them. And B, ideally, if they could all speak to each other and work in a more cohesive basis, even not necessarily all, but some, that would be great. Because the idea of having all your data in a place that can then be looked over, and it sounds fantastic, but the reality is we still live in a world of fragmented data, fragmented systems, compliance putting effectively fragmented solutions over that, that all then needs joining up. So I suspect that the magic in the future is going to be more ability to suck data out and view things holistically. Okay. So focus more on enabling the current existing technology to integrate more effectively rather than inventing new technology to solve new problems. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of technologies in time for one or two things, and then you might try and customize them for something else. But yeah, the more we can deal with these challenges holistically, definitely the better. At the moment, you almost need a solution to manage your solutions. And actually, that does raise an interesting point. We are seeing mergers of surveillance firms taking place, and you would expect that to continue across the regtech landscape. I wonder whether that will create more holistic solutions off the back of that. Might do. Somebody can turn up with the whizziest solution in the world, but often you go, would take us months, years to get our data into shape. Your system may be great, but we can't feed it, actually, you know. Mm. So there isn't a current compliance issue you think is crying out for innovation? The challenge, in a way, is the opposite. That whole reg tech, fintech thing has been such a growth area. The reality is sorting the wheat from the chaff, working out who's got the best solutions and who the winners are going to be. And you really want to be with the people who are going to survive and thrive. And I'm sure some people have got some great ideas and probably great products out there, but they're not going to make it. There's a procurement challenge, a technology challenge, and an implementation challenge, but I'm not there saying, oh, I wish there was one of these. I just wish that it wasn't such a chopped up market where you're looking at bespoke little bits for each area that you have to deal with. Okay. What advice would you have to junior compliance professionals currently who have had the pandemic, that unusual start to their career and are now seeking to get up to speed as quickly as possible? Go to the office as much as you can. You're probably going to sound very old school, but actually you learn a heck of a lot sitting in the same office as somebody on the phone. You see their good moments and their bad moments, but you do learn a lot. So I would say that practical piece about being in the office and throw yourself to tasks and put your hand up i think my experience is there's so much interesting stuff going on at the moment lots of teams are running to stand still around as we've talked about implementing new technology dealing with new regulatory change as well as what is euphemistically called doing the day job so there's a lot of opportunity to throw yourself into things and learn new skills and it's hard because i think compliance teams inevitably have gone down the route of being less generalist and more specific in terms of skills. But I think as a junior or aspiring compliance officer, I really strongly recommend you try to see as many different things as you can and not get pigeonholed early because unless you love a certain thing and that's what you want to do, technically there are so many different roles that play on so many different things that you need to, I think, have an experience of all of that. And that contributes to being able to see the whole and when if you do specialize it gives you a broader view of life rather than just having come through on almost a monoline career trajectory okay and in your 16 years in the compliance industry have you seen any common career mistakes that juniors make or compliance professionals in general make 
Uh, people come in very much with the outlook that this is a technical job and technical in the sense of I need to understand the rules and I need to understand the systems we've got and I need to understand all the policies and procedures we've got and I need to be able to advise on complicated trading strategies or, or complex rules governing fund oversight and things like that and all of that really is important but and you probably pick this up from what I said earlier and from my perspective ability to build relationships work with people really be able to generate value from seeing the whole picture to me is really important and I think if you come to work and know the rules extremely well on top of all of that that's great but the developing the relationships and understanding the business are really important and I would always encourage people when they have any time or opportunity don't send emails don't sit at your desk go up and see people if you can't go and see them phone them there's just a tendency for compliance teams to sit on their own floor and send out emails and be a little bit remote to me it's be as involved as you can be use email as little as you can and get out and see people because I think that that's both aids your understanding of what's going on and helps you be a better compliance officer but it, it, it's good for the organization as well and so that that would be my thing and my experience is too many people are just happy to sit at their desks and send emails as a default rather than actually go and see somebody and have a chat okay other aspects of the financial services sector that have experienced a war for talent generally but particularly at the junior level in recent years have you seen anything similar in the compliance function yeah yeah. During all my time in financial services, compliance has been an in inverted commas of growth industry. That was turbocharged following the financial crisis and has just has continued. And it's pretty much a global phenomenon as well. Certainly in all the major markets, there is a real demand for talent across the piece. There is globally a war for talent and you can see that reflected in the salary packages and other things that people are willing to pay for the high performing stuff it just moves ever upwards at the moment and has continually for years certainly in london that that market has moved forward pretty quickly towards the end of last year and course of this year and as an industry we still don't see the number of grads juniors people coming into the industry that reflects the demand we have both at a junior and mid-level and then as a senior level as people move up. We haven't developed as an industry a large number of grads who start a career and then come through. So we still don't have the depth and volume almost as a structural issue. And so that's why you start seeing lots of people with non-compliance backgrounds starting to come in at the higher junior, low mid-levels. So why is that graduate level not being populated? Partly because people are not running grad programs on a scale that the industry needs. I think that is changing. Some of the big houses are increasingly taking on significant numbers of grads into compliance, but it's a relatively recent development. We certainly haven't seen it really flow through the whole chain yet, in my view. So does the compliance industry have a PR problem? I think it does have a PR problem. I perceive the feeling that compliance can be seen as business prevention rather than a business enabler. And there is a sense that for a, certainly a significant number of the bright aspiring grads that there are other places 
that, that are seen as more desirable than going to compliance, all sorts of front office functions, particularly client-related or sales-related or investment or trading-related, certainly for a large number of people seen as being more desirable, I think. So how can that be fixed? How can you change that as an industry? It is a challenge that we have to rise to so much now of what we do is critical to the organisation. And I think increasingly you see heads of compliance and others fulfilling not just more senior roles in terms of structure, but in terms of how the organisation operates, how decisions are made. Regulatory change has significant impact on businesses, whether it's the amount of capital they hold, whether it's how you develop your products and interact with the market or customers. So I think it's continuing to reinforce the idea that compliance has a really important role to play in terms of really key strategic decisions that impact businesses. Regulatory relationship management is a really important aspect of what we do and is really important to every regulated firm. And in that sense, helping the business to make the right decisions and do business in the right way is really important. So I think it's just continuing to drive those messages that there are really significant elements of compliance that are really strategically very important to all firms. I think the messaging and how it's portrayed can sometimes be lost. Mm -hmm. So the onus is on senior compliance professionals to really promote the benefits and the interesting aspects of the role. I think so, yeah. If we as an industry and we as compliance professionals aren't going to advocate that, then who else could we expect to? And does that lack of a graduate intake or the fact that that is at a level lower than you would like to see, does that pose any significant challenges for the industry's ability to do their job? There's probably quite a few, in percentage terms, unfilled roles that never get filled if you look across the piece. I certainly believe a lot of the larger banks and others have a pretty much accepted level of unfilled roles at any time. It's probably always going to be the case if you have thousands and thousands of employees, but there's always some level of shortage there. Where do you see most skill shortage in the industry? I think it's across the piece, to be honest. The one area that has been in massive demand for years and continues to be is in all aspects of financial crime, whether it be anti-money laundering, anti-bribery and corruption, sanctions, fraud. There's been a massively significant growth in the number of people involved in financial crime, but that growth will continue. So how can that be resolved, that lack of supply? It's challenging. And I think in some areas, the industry has sought to bolster that by using consultants, particularly as and when the need arises, which is expensive, but it's a way of bringing in skilled resource relatively quickly if you need it. But the impression I get is even with the consultancy firms and everybody who's providing resources to that area is still pretty busy and they're still looking for more people to bring on board. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about the way in which the compliance function is changing, talked about the changing regulatory demands that you need to meet and how the way in which we work is changing generally as well. How does that change the skill set required in future hires, do you expect the future compliance officer to be fundamentally different than he or she might be today? I do think we will increasingly see teams that have skills around ability to, whether it's develop systems or use systems or or just manage data, but I think increasingly there's going to be a bigger focus on taking the data we have as a firm analyzing that data and then getting 
valuable outputs from that, whether it ultimately results in suspicious activity reports, identifying training needs, discussions with regulators, whatever it is. But we're still only in the foothills of this journey, even though we, in terms of transaction monitoring on payments and transaction surveillance and trading has developed a lot over the preceding 10 or so years. Both the desire, the need and the regulatory push to do more around that's just going to continue. So that's going to be critical. And as an industry, I still think a number of the systems we use, we can still live in a world where lots of systems still throw out lots of false positives. So I think we haven't yet got ourselves grooved around taking the data set, analysing it effectively and being able to use that, but do that in an effective and efficient way. So I certainly think the whole piece around data analytics, and not just the technology piece, but the analysis of that is going to be a real area we need to develop as an industry. We've got this far into the conversation without mentioning Brexit, which would have been unheard of perhaps even a year ago. What Brexit-related challenges remain for UK firms in your view? Probably a little bit similar to what we were when we were talking about the similar but different rules potentially emerging on ESG. I think increasingly it's just managing an environment where the UK is going to have, in many cases, similar but different rules to Europe. So as an industry, we've grown up used to, at least from the EU perspective, one set of rules, even if there have been sometimes noticeably different ways those have been implemented domestically. But now the UK and Europe are, are different. I think just managing all the time those risks, making sure that people don't inadvertently do things that they're not meant to, but also managing the similar but different rules means if you've got an EU base and a UK base, it's something you always need to be mindful of. And there's additional cost and additional complexity in doing that. Is there anything specific you want to see from the UK government as it redrafts the UK rulebook post-Brexit? The reality is whatever one's view of the European rules, a lot of firms have to comply with those rules. So If the UK rulebook is significantly different, it's just additional compliance for us. From a pure UK perspective, there's probably lots that can be done. I think when one takes an international view, though, for me, you're looking at this from a firm compliance perspective. We get additional regimes to comply with, and that does create more challenges for us. Mm -hmm. Are there any regulatory changes you want to see to best service the needs of the compliance industry generally? I mean, the rules could be simpler, probably, but... (laughs) No, not actually, that was a bit tongue-in-cheek, the rules could be simpler, but I know whenever you try to do that, and I remember this from my time at what was the FSA, you start off wanting to make things simple and inevitably people want and require more clarification and before you know it, you're, you're, you're back with a complex rule book. So, no, not particularly, I just think it would be nice to go through a phase where we don't have such a heavy amount of regulatory change going on because it has been fairly constant probably since about 2010 and the reality is it's not showing any signs of letting up so far. Do you see that impacting the stress levels of your staff at all? No, actually no, I just think in, in a way it's, it has become a fact of life. Okay, lastly what's one upcoming or current challenge that you think not enough people are paying attention to? That's a very good question. Probably partially as a result of COVID. The development of our own compliance staff is something that, as everybody's 
got used to remote working or flexible working, it's a good opportunity for the compliance industry to really focus back down on our staff, their skills and maybe training the development needs of our own staff. As and we've touched on a number of areas where the industry is changing. It's an area that really needs a refocus. We're in quite a fast-moving and changing world, and it's probably time we uh, we spent time focusing on staff, their well-being, and particularly development. I don't know if we spent enough time thinking about those aspects. So, for me, that would be a real area to focus on. Well, there's been plenty of food for thought in this discussion, and I personally find your thoughts on how the industry will develop and the implications that will have for the skill sets that you'll be looking for particularly interesting. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak today. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Lucy. I really enjoyed it. You've been listening to Following the Rules with Lucy McNulty. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be very grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe on all the usual channels. It helps other people get to know us too.